Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. Well, good morning, First Naples. Uh, my name is Daniel Scroggins, and I serve here at the church as the director of high school students. And so normally at this time, I would be over in the student center uh, teaching the Bible to our students. Uh, but today, Pastor Greg has taken over for me so that I can be here with you guys. And so I'm thrilled for the opportunity. Uh, thank you, Pastor Allen, for letting me bring the word of God uh, today at our 10 o'clock service. Uh, I am married. I have a wife. Her name is Mary Madison sitting right down here. And we have a two-year-old daughter. Her name is Willow Kate. And we're actually expecting our second daughter uh, coming up in October. And so we're very excited for that. And Mary Madison and I just love uh, the fact that we get to raise our daughters in a church like First Naples. You guys have been so uh, loving and generous. And we are so thankful that we get to be here uh, at this church. Uh, I've been here for about a year now. And uh, we got here because Pastor Allen and I uh, share a deep spiritual love for the Kentucky Wildcats. I got, I got some woohoos out there. Uh, Pastor Allen and I met at a Kentucky basketball game five years ago uh, in the NCAA tournament. We ended up sitting by each other. We exchanged phone numbers. And ever since then, we've texted and called each other during about every game. And he got the job here at First Naples and invited me to come serve. And I'm very glad I did. Not because we get to cheer for Kentucky together, because that's really fun. Uh, but because I love what God's doing here at First Naples, raising up the next generations of leaders, uh, disciple makers, church planters, and uh, pastors. And so I'm very thankful I get to be here and study the Bible with you guys today. Pastor Allen is out uh, for Memorial Day weekend with his family, getting some much needed rest. So you can be praying for him and his wife, April. And uh, we're gonna be studying the Bible today, starting in Mark chapter 14. So if you have... Uh, your Bible, you can turn it on, flip over to Mark chapter 14, and get ready, because we have a lot of great scripture. It's a lot of scripture, some great scripture to read this morning. And what we're going to be studying today is how God uh, is using his son, Jesus, to build a spiritual kingdom. We're going to explore how Jesus, through the midst of suffering, through loneliness and adversity, he stayed on mission to ensure that the spiritual kingdom uh, could be built. Now, this uh, spiritual kingdom is not a fictional kingdom like in Super Mario Bros, the Mushroom Kingdom. It's not a fictional kingdom uh, like the kingdom of Arendelle in the movie Frozen. It's not a retail kingdom that can be torn down like Target, which has been in the news recently, or a beer kingdom like Anheuser-Busch, which is collapsing for some of the same reasons. It's not a silly little kingdom like the United Kingdom and that little thing they do over there with the royal family. It's not one of those kingdoms. Uh, I'm talking about a kingdom that God has built, one that doesn't have controversy, one where nothing is wrong, a spiritual kingdom where God invites everyone to come and to be involved. 
The spiritual kingdom that I'm talking about is the kingdom that says there's two different types of people, actually two different types of people in this room today. One group of people, you're already in the kingdom. You're here worshiping the Lord because you have a relationship with God the Father and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose from the grave. And so you are inside of the kingdom. And there's another group of people who are outside of the kingdom looking in. You haven't made that decision to submit to Jesus, to submit to God. Uh, You have a heart that's kind of hard towards him or maybe you're just not really sure what you believe and so you're on the outside of the kingdom and I wanna propose two different things today. First, to the people inside of the kingdom. Let's study uh, how Jesus acted in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was getting ready for his death and let's see what we can take from his example and his actions and let's see how we can apply it to our lives. And for those of you that are on the outside of the kingdom, I want to invite you inside of the kingdom because Jesus uh, died on the cross for your sins and he suffered here in the garden and on the cross so that you could be inside of the kingdom that he built. So let's go ahead and read starting in Mark chapter 14. We'll be in verse 32. This is what the word of God says. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said, Jesus, to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Not what you will but what I will, not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said, Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. He came to them a third time. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, here comes Judas, one of the 12 disciples, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid hands on him and they seized him. But one of those who stood by, Peter, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut his ear off. And Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled and they all left him and fled. Dear Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for the opportunity to get to preach your word this morning. Lord, I pray for the two different types of people. Lord, the people in the kingdom. Lord, please allow us to learn from Jesus' example. Lord, for the people outside of the kingdom, Lord, I pray that you would stir up a work in their hearts and that they would accept you and that they would uh, repent of their sins and believe in the gospel. 
Lord, I pray for what's happening over in our kids' ministry right now. As there's close to 200 kids worshiping you and learning about you, I pray for Miss Jess and her team that she would continue to raise up the next generation to know and love you. I pray for Pastor Greg as he's over there with the students. Lord, I pray that you continue to bring us students and leaders and volunteers so that we can disciple the next generation of world changers. Lord, I pray for Pastor Alan and Miss April that they would have a great weekend of rest with their family. Lord, I wanna thank you for those who pay the ultimate price for our freedom so that we can be here today and not worry about what might happen to us. Lord, thank you for our brave men and women who have served our country. In your name I pray, amen. It was June 6th, 1944, on the day we now know as D-Day. The United States uh, military, along with the Allies, decided to take on the beaches of Normandy. Uh, they knew it was risky and that they might fail and it was a dangerous mission, but they thought if we could just breach the beach of Normandy, it might be able to turn the tide of World War II. There were a group of uh, guys who jumped out of airplanes in the par with the parachutes, and they were two minutes out uh, from the beach, and they were about to jump out of the airplane and to fight Nazi Germany. I want you to put yourself in their shoes and imagine that you were in that aircraft approaching the beach. You look out the airplane window and there's thousands of Nazi soldiers there on the beach aimed with rifles and machine guns and other artillery. They're firing things at your airplane and all of a sudden, as you see in the picture, there's airplanes going down and they're exploding all around you and gunfire is hitting your airplane and you think that you are about to die. You're just a few minutes out. You're getting yourself psyched up for your possible impending death. I mean, even if your airplane makes it all the way to the beach, you're gonna jump out with a parachute and be a sitting duck to their gunfire. Imagine what that would be like. That's exactly what Jesus was feeling in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was getting ready for his pending death. The difference between Jesus and the soldiers on D-Day was they, had a, 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 they still had hope that they might survive. Jesus knew what the will of the Father was and he knew that he was about to get crucified on the cross and separated from Jesus forever. The first point I wanna to bring to you is that Jesus built his spiritual kingdom through suffering. Jesus really suffered and as outlined in the story of the garden, his suffering happened before he was nailed to the cross. Let's read the first few verses again and see what the Bible says about the physical state that Jesus was in in the garden. In verse 32 it says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be, look at the bold, greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. He was very sorrowful, so much so that he fell flat on the ground. The Bible consistently shows us that yes, Jesus was God, but he was also man and he experienced the same types of emotions and feelings that you and I go through. I mean, have you ever been greatly troubled? Have you ever been distressed? Have you ever been so emotionally and physically exhausted that you fell flat on your couch or on your bed or on your ground? That's what Jesus was experiencing in the garden. 
You know, Jesus was actually on death row. And so as I was preparing for this sermon, I began to wonder, I wonder what the state is that uh, death row inmates are in right before they're about to die. A researcher from Boston University writes this. He says, death row can lead to serious psychological issues like paranoia, major depression, anxiety, and other disorders. Feeling out of control, it only exacerbates the issue at hand. This can make the end of the offender's life rather unbearable and can even make them physically ill. Well, if you look back up in verse 33, it says that Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. And the word troubled in its Greek form translates to horrified. Horrified even to the point of nausea. And that's what Jesus was experiencing in the garden. He was suffering. He suffered like this so that anyone that is outside of the kingdom, no matter what they've done, no matter what background they're from, no matter what they look like or what they do in the future, as long as they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved and will be invited into the kingdom. That's why Jesus suffered What's so fascinating about the story, though, is not the physical state that Jesus was in during his suffering. It was what he did in his suffering. The second thing is that Jesus built his spiritual kingdom through prayer. He built it through suffering, and then he also built it through prayer. We can look at Jesus as an example that through loneliness and betrayal and suffering, Jesus took all of his problems and he gave them to God the Father in prayer. I mean, often when we are in brokenness or when I am in brokenness, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes in my past, I've seeked worldly things. I know a lot of times when we are feeling down and out and sometimes depressed or angry, we turn to the world to solve our issues. Some of us might think to get out of our brokenness and to get out of our suffering and sorrows, we do things like partying. Maybe we go out on the weekend and have a good time. We do a little bit of drinking, maybe dabble in a little bit of drugs, and we just think, If I just do this, it'll help take the pain away. And as some of you know, it it works for a little while. You can have a good time one night, but the problem is you wake up in the morning hungover and you feel awful and your problems are still there. For some of us, it's monetary success. We just think if we can climb the corporate ladder and make X amount of money, the money will make our problems go away. Some of us, it's relationships. Man, if I could just be with that girl, if I could just be with that guy, It helped my loneliness and take my problems away. And the problem is with all of these solutions are none of them involve Jesus. The only way out of our brokenness is that we must seek Jesus, especially when we are in times of trouble. There are several people from the Bible that come to mind who are prayer warriors. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Daniel, fantastic name. And uh, Daniel was a prayer warrior, and he prayed so much that it actually got him put on death row, and he got thrown in the lion's den. And God spared his life because of his faithfulness. There was a man named Job in the Old Testament, and he had such a great relationship with God uh, that Satan did everything that he could to get him to denounce his faith. He was a very wealthy man. He owned a lot of livestock and a lot of land, and so what, what the devil did was He killed people off in his family, harmed him that way. He took away all of his riches, harmed him that way. He gave Job a nasty disease, harmed him that way. But no matter what he did, because of Job's prayer life and because of his relationship with God the Father, he was sustained and he never denounced his faith in Jesus. Jesus continues this pattern of faith warriors in the Garden of Gethsemane. He cries out to God, pleading with him to make this thing not happen. 
But in the end, he says, God, your will be done. Have you ever sensed that God was calling you to do something? You just did not want to do it. I feel like that all the time, to be honest with you. There's things in the Bible that tells me to do or tells me I can't do and I want to do it or I don't want to do it. And I know there's a lot of things or things that you guys are going through and that I'm going through all of the time that we sense that God is calling us to, but for some reason we get apprehensive about it and we don't want to take action. That's how Jesus felt. Look what he said in verse 36. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. He's basically saying, don't make me go through with this, God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be separated from you. But what does he say next? Yet not what I will, God, but what you will. And for those of us inside of the kingdom, we need to figure out what's the will of God in our life? What are the different things that we need to be doing that he's calling us to do that we are lacking? It was April 1945 in Okinawa, Japan. There's a man fighting with a U.S. Army named Desmond Doss. Desmond was an interesting fellow because he was uh, what we call a conscientious objector. Conscientious objectors uh, means that he refused to carry a weapon because he didn't believe that his faith allowed him to kill another person. And so Desmond was often ridiculed by his comrades He got beat up a few times. He felt lonely. And he stood alone in his faith and his commitment to nonviolence. Now, I'm not saying that I believe exactly what Desmond believed, right? But it is inspiring that through everything that he went through, through the loneliness and suffering that he went to in the army, that he stayed strong in his faith beliefs. It was during these moments of deep solitude that his faith shone the brightest. It was a spiritual anchor. It was God that enabled him to persevere through, through these times of darkness. I believe we have a picture of Desmond on the screen from the movie of, called Hacksaw Ridge. Some of you guys have seen it before. The pinnacle of his career in the military happened at the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge when his entire company rescinded and retreated Desmond decided to stay behind and that he was going to save as many of his soldiers as he possibly could. Fire was raining down on him and everyone else was saying, peace out. And Desmond said, I'm going to stay and I'm going to save as many people as I possibly can as a medic in the army. His actions not only saved lives, but also inspired a legacy of bravery and compassion His story serves as a powerful reminder to us all. Yes, loneliness and suffering can be daunting, but it doesn't need to define us. Like Desmond Doss, we can find strength in God knowing that in our loneliest moments, we have him. We are not alone. Just like this picture where Doss puts the weight of his soldiers on his back and he carries them out to safety, Jesus Christ puts your sins and my sins on his back when he carried the cross to Calvary. Jesus Christ put his sins on his back, put our sins on his back, and was nailed to the cross and was crucified and was buried and he rose from the grave and he did that so that you don't have to suffer eternity separated from him. It would have been easy for Daniel to hide his prayer life so that he wouldn't have been thrown in the lion's den. It would have been easy for Job to give in and to denounce God so that Satan would stop his suffering. Jesus is God. He didn't have to die on the cross for your sins, but why did he do it? 
It's because he loves you so much. Like John 3, 16 says, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That's why Jesus put the weight of your sins on his back. Jesus built his spiritual kingdom through suffering. Jesus built his spiritual kingdom through prayer. And Jesus built his spiritual kingdom by taking action. Look in verse 41. It says, and the, time, the third time came to them, and he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Look at the bold again. It says, it is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. In verse 49, he says, let the scriptures be fulfilled. There was a time that Jesus hunkered down in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a time that he cried out to God in prayer. There's a time that he was sorrowful, but there was a time where he said, it's time to be a man, to stand up and to take action and to do what God has called me to do. And I wanna ask you, what are the actions that God is calling you to do? There's something that he's calling you to do and we need to stand up and we need to take action. We cannot let prayer and we cannot over-spiritualize things to keep us from taking action. Yes, we need to follow God's example in prayer because that's very important, but we can't let it stopping us from taking action action. Jesus remained on mission through loneliness and betrayal, and if he could stay strong for us in his darkest hour, then I know that we can stay strong in our darkest hour for Jesus. It was May 2nd, 2011. Who remembers where you were on May 2nd, 2011? Anybody? Yeah, I know you probably don't, but I know that I do. I was flying on Delta Airlines on the red-eye flight from West Palm Beach, Florida to San Diego, California for my 13-year-old birthday trip with my dad. I was watching episode reruns of I Love Lucy uh, on the airplane. I know, what the heck, it's pretty random. And while we were watching, the, the show stopped and the pilot came over the intercom system and he said, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to announce to you that the United States has done a raid on Osama bin Laden's compound and he has been neutralized. And this was still back in the day before we got free TV and the airplanes and so we had to whip out our credit cards and swipe the little card slot and the TVs were popping on all over the airplane and people were turning to Fox News and CNN and sure enough, there it was, the headline, breaking news, Osama bin Laden killed in raid. I remember we landed in the airplane, my dad rented a convertible. We rode down the Pacific Coast Highway, blaring courtesy of the red, white, and blue by Toby Keith, and woo, we were feeling patriotic. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of you would agree with me in that we don't agree with everything President Obama did as the President of the United States, but one thing I think we all, 100% of us can agree with is that he took action, he took out Osama bin Laden. President Obama sat in the Situation Room, surrounded by his advisors and intelligence officials. He knew the gravity of the decision that was before him. After years of planning and analyzing and assessing risks and thinking about things, a decade of planning, President Obama said, it's time to take action. President Obama gave the Pentagon the green light to enact Operation Neptune Spear, which was the operation that took out Osama bin Laden in his compound. Again, I want to ask you, what is the action that you need to take in your life? 
Are you inside of the kingdom, but you have not yet made it public? Maybe you need to run Operation Baptism and get yourself in the water and get baptized and make it known that you're a believer in Jesus. Are you inside of the kingdom, but you're not in biblical community? Maybe you need to run Operation Join a Group and get in a group and join biblical community and learn the spiritual disciplines and fellowship with other believers. Maybe you need to run run Operation Stop Sleeping Around and Get Married and obey God's design for biblical sexuality and relationships. All of us have an action that we need to take and that God has called us to. We need to just do it. There's a time for prayer. Yes, pray. We all know that we need to pray, but we need to take action. Maybe you're in the group that's on the outside of the kingdom looking in. You've been building your own kingdom. Maybe you've been busy building your own financial kingdom. Boy, do you have an impressive portfolio. But why does it matter if it's temporary? Maybe you've been building a vast social network and you get tons of followers and likes on the social media platforms, but who cares if it's all gonna go away when you die? These things in itself aren't necessarily bad, but they're temporary. It's May 28th, 2023, and it's time for you to run Operation Give Your Life to Jesus. Today, I wanna give you an opportunity to stop building your own kingdom and to turn your keys into the Lord and to take the keys that he's giving you to get in his kingdom and accept him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has been crucified on the cross, who has died a real death, who is buried, and who rose from the grave. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you. Repent of your sins and believe. I wanna have a moment of prayer, so if you go ahead and uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna give you an opportunity to give your life to God today. I know there's many people in the room who are not in the kingdom, and this is a time to take seriously. If you've been living for yourself and you've been rejecting God, I wanna give you an opportunity to give your life to him. I'm gonna say a prayer, and I'm not gonna ask you to look up or raise your hand. This is between you and your heavenly Father. But I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I've been living apart from your design, but I want to get right. God, I want to repent of my sins, and I want to live for you. God, I want to be a part of your kingdom. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. But if you made that decision to join the kingdom of God, it's the most important decision, most important operation that you'll ever make. There's a piece of paper in the, your chair back. It's called a connect card. Fill it out. Drop it at one of our tents, our next steps desk or in the slots in the back of the service room. We wanna get in contact with you and show you how you can take your next step of faith. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for this time of worship, a time that we get to come and worship you and what you did for us on the cross. Lord, for your suffering in the garden. 
the brutal beating and the mocking that you took before getting crucified, God, and then you stood there naked on the cross for hours. Lord, you were separated from yourself. Even though you didn't want to be, you obeyed the will of the Father. God, we wanna thank you for being such a loving and gracious God. Lord, I pray that those of us who are already in the kingdom, Lord, that we would take the action that you were calling us to take, that we would stand up, that we would take action. Lord, for those of us who are outside of the kingdom, Lord, I pray that many people in this room today, through our time of worship, Lord, bug their hearts, dig down in their hearts, soften their hearts, have them accept you. God, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church, go out and be the church, have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.